Hey there. Thanks for joining us. This podcast is put out into the world by Living Water Community Church, located in Ypsilanti, Michigan. I'm Pastor Clark Cothern. If you'd like to know more about Living Water, or if you'd like to drop us a note, or if you've got a question, or if you'd like to have us pray for you, head on over to lw-cc.org. Now, let's join today's podcast in progress. Look at 2 Peter 1 through 15. Now, uh, it's going to be on spiritual growth. Uh, These are Peter's final words to believers uh, before his death. Peter was about to be crucified upside down. And I really think this letter was written to the the big church, not just to a a letter to, say, the city in Ephesus or to a region. It was written to the church. And um, I'm going to start with verse 12. And there's three words I've kind of got highlighted there. And so I will always remind you of these things. Now, we're going to look at these things in a minute. Even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth you now have, I think it is right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body. Because I know that I will soon put it aside, meaning his body, as the Lord Jesus Christ has made it clear to me. And I will make every effort to see that after my departure, you will always be able to remember these things. Now, I see a pattern here to remind, uh, refresh your memory, and to remember these things. So I kind of went down a little bit about memory lane myself and where my spiritual journey started. I was, uh, I was 14 years old. The church we were going to really didn't teach and preach a lot about uh, salvation and how to be saved. And this um, evangelist came in. His name was Marty. Now, I was 14 years old, so that's uh, almost 50 years ago. And, and I remember the room. I remember this man named Marty. And I remembered the first time that I knew I was lost and on my way to being separated from God. And I, I was just anxious when he gave the invitation to come and be saved I was anxious for that because I'd never heard that. I knew stories and everything, but for the first time, I really knew that I was, uh, I was lost and on my way to hell. And uh, so that was the day I got saved, and I remember, like I say, I was about 14. I remembered the specifics. So fast forward about three more years, my brother went off to college. He went to Eastern. I think it was Campus Crusades for Christ that he was part of. You know, you remember things, you think, well, why in the world do I remember that? You know, even things, I was three and a half years old, and I remember, where's Jim? I remember getting the call that um, I have a baby brother. I don't remember a lot of it, but I remember that, and I don't even remember how I felt about it, three and a half, you don't think much about that. You remember things, I was 17 years old, my brother John, and I was in Jim's room, and he asked me this question, he says, Mike, are you growing spiritually? I looked at him. I never even knew there was a such a thing. And I don't know that he really explained it too much to me about growing spiritually, but he asked me that question. Now, this was over 50 years ago. Now, why, why would I remember that? Well, I, I really think that the day of my salvation and that question, it, it kind of stuck with me. We quit going to church. I got married at 18, Patty and I. We quit going to church. We were just kind of living, you know, as young newlyweds and and 
feeling our way through this world. And I started going to Dennis Specknagel. I call him Speck, as you know. Um, started going to his church. Now I was about 23 or so. It talks about in, in Paul, he says, uh, you are a bunch of babies just drinking the milk and you need the meat of the word. And I, I picture that because my little grandson's here today. And, and it was just a thrill to see him inch like a worm on the floor. Not even crawling yet, just kind of scooting around and he was so proud of himself. And at this point, I was still just kind of inching around on the floor. Now, from my salvation to that point, it was almost 10 years. In 10 years and really very little, I'm still kind of inching around. I wasn't even crawling yet. And um, so I started going to Speck's church. He, he had been my mentor, and I'm going to talk about that a little later, at work. He kind of took me under his wing. And thank God, Speck, for you. And, and I, you know, I think for maybe one of you are mentoring somebody else, just kind of taking them and um, uh, working with them through their spiritual journey. And uh, thank God for mentors that help you on your way. So he invited me to his church. And there again, why do you remember these things? Ray Miner, who was my, my metallurgist, that's the study of metals because I run these machines. He was preaching or teaching a class on Isaiah. He was teaching on Isaiah. And this is, I remember this when I was starting. It says, the ox knows its master, the donkey its owner's manger, but Israel does not know, my people do not understand. And why do I remember that? Probably part of it is that the ox, which is not the most brightest animal in the world, knows its master, but Israel does not know. And so at that point, I started, I, I look at my spiritual journey, I started to crawl a little bit. It was soon after I got baptized. It was right there at Trinity's where I was baptized. For those that part of High Point, maybe you didn't know, that's where I was baptized. And then we, I don't know, I don't know why I quit going, but quit going and we decided to go back to this church that um, we grew up in. We were comfortable with that and, and I realized this isn't, this isn't right. This isn't right. So in my spirit I could say there were some things wrong and, and at that point, now I'm 27 and um, I was going to this Bible study at work and, and I was being taught stuff that I didn't know. Spiritual things I didn't know. And I realized that um, this church I was going to, they weren't really teaching the Bible. Uh, uh, they weren't even teaching salvation. I talked to the pastor, and he didn't even believe in hell. And I'm thinking, I need to get out of there. And so I went to a different church, and I, I grew tremendously. And I would say at that point, I started really crawling and maybe walking as a toddler a little bit. And um, through that, they got me introduced to Awana. I memorized, and it's mostly in King James, I memorized all these verses. I think of the, when it says, uh, call upon the name of the Lord and be saved. The first, that's Romans 10, you go 10, 9, and then you start with the 13. Call upon the name of the Lord, be saved. How shall we know unless we're preached to? And how shall we know somebody sends a preacher? And it talks about how beautiful are the feet of the people that, that are preaching the word. And then, then the last verse, and then that whole part of that, and I just remember, this is just a bonus is that faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And so through Awana, all these memory verses, so when I, it's all King James, when I spurred all these things, that's the 13, 14 years that I was at that church, all these memory verses. So in that time, and I started teaching every day at work, teaching Bible, and I started to really walk uh, spiritually, and become, I was at 27, I decided 
that, um, Mike, you're either going to live for the Lord or you're going to live for self. I decided I was going to live for the Lord. And see, all of these are steps in your spiritual growth. And I thought, well, I can't tell all the steps that I can see. And I mentioned, I see some of you people, how you're, you're growing spiritually. And it just, it, it thrills me. I started walking and, and growing. And then um, we came here. And, uh, you know, and I guess it was in 2004. I'm speeding through a lot of stuff. But uh, still working at GM, teaching. They called me to go to India to, to prepare uh, Awana leaders to become, or pastors become Awana leaders. And this was just the stuff that happened. It was right out of the book of Acts, the spiritual things that was going on there. And, and I look at that, and of course, you're, you're never grown up spiritually until you reach heaven. But I, I look at that, that's when I became a, a man spiritually. Because uh, I preached there like uh, eight, nine different sermons. One, one was in front of uh, 500 people, and it turned riotous at the end. And so many people came to Christ, and that wasn't even why I was there. Uh, at the point uh, time, there was uh, 179 Awana clubs. Now there's over 12,000. And it's just that, and it was, I just kind of introduced them. And, and, uh, and there was this guy, this one, one leader that we were training, he's become a missionary, and his goal is to start 500 Awana clubs a year. And so I was, he just got to be part of that, but I came back different. And I look at that in my spiritual walk, my spiritual journey, my spiritual life, that uh, I became a man over those three weeks. And, and so I come back, and, and Clark had seen a change, and they called me soon after me to be associate pastor, which I drug my feet. I said, you don't want me. I come home, I was like this spiritual man, and, um, you know, but I didn't look at myself that way. A lot of times, these gradual changes, you don't see it in yourself, but others see it in you. And so the, the changes come, and he asked me to be associate pastor, and, and pretty much, the, you need to continue to grow. And I told this story, I know I told it to Pastor Jeremy and others. We went to um, Florida, well, just before Clark left. On the way, we stopped at my, my grandkids, great-grandmother and great-great-grandmother. And so the first time I'd met this lady, she's 95, and I didn't think, you know, I didn't think she was really coherent. I didn't get to talk to her, but she, I, what all I could hear is she kind of mumbling and stuff. And so I asked this Auntie Linda, I said, how's your mom? She says, well, go talk to her. I said, all right, now she's studying her verses. I said, oh. But anyway, I go in there, and she is memorizing. She's got 14 verses she's memorizing. 95 years old, and she still seems to find it fit necessary to grow spiritually. 95. And she's still at it. And so we're never, until we reach eternity, we never um, have arrived. What does it mean to grow spiritually? And how do I grow spiritually? And what are the benefits of growing spiritually? I hope to answer some of these questions of which I've already answered some. When my brother John asked me that question, are you growing spiritually? I don't know. What does that mean? A lot of times you hear the message that you, you can't remain on the milk of the word. You have to be on the meat and you see it through God's word. But how do I get there? How do I grow spiritually? And what are some of the benefits of growing spiritually? Uh, verse 8, if you possess these qualities, we'll look at the qualities in a minute, in increasing measure, 
They will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge, keyword knowledge, of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, that word ineffective and unproductive, I put it in a physical. When I went to GM, you know, I mentioned this at your 50th anniversary. Um, these presses that I ran were monsters. I mean, they would go from this wall to this wall, and as tall as the ceiling, this is a machine. And they were scary. I was this 18-year-old skinny little runt that, that uh, these things just scared me to death, but they wanted me to run these presses. And they give you about a week, maybe two weeks, and I was on some smaller ones that spec trained me. And, um, but to, to be efficient and productive was the goal. And I, I look at the word efficient, to be efficient, you have to learn these, these jobs. There's, there's personality on each one of them, and all the jobs are so different. If, if I want to be efficient, say the part I'm making, you have tolerances, and say it's from 30,000 to plus or minus, so you, go, you have this range. To really be efficient, you need to tighten that up. It needs to, and so you say, I'm going to try to keep it within 10 and 10. That way I know, even if it's, something happens, I'll still be within the specs. And, and so you have to learn these. But being productive, you have to know that machine. You know, he got to the point, and Speck could tell you, you could hear. As noisy as it was, you could hear a difference in that machine. And, and some of them are these, these big, huge, noisy things. And you just begin to learn. And if you could get a fault, and you know right away, this airline is leaking. And you get that fixed, and you begin. And I got very efficient and very productive running these large machines. And that's really, if you think about it in that way, to be efficient and productive in your spiritual life, you have to know who. Well, beginning, know Jesus as your Savior. But you have to really get to know him. You do that through the studying of the, of the Word of God. You do that through a mentor. You do that through classes. And um, it, you get, have to get to know him. Let's take a look. You know, a lot of people love this verse. I decided to print it because I might butcher it in my memory. It says, come to me, it's in Matthew eleven twenty-eight. 28, come to me all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Now, don't, doesn't that sound sweet? I'll give you rest. We all want the rest. And, um, and at this time, the Jews were under the burden of the law, the burden of the of, um, uh, Pharisees, the burden of the high priest, all this add-on stuff, and they needed this message. All you who are weary and burdened, I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, or um, team up with me, and what? Learn from me. If you want to start your spiritual journey, and I don't know where any of you are, well, I know where some of you are, and the spiritual journey you're on, growing spiritually, that's the key of this verse. Not the rest, which is sweet. Not that, that you, did Jesus take your burden. It is sweet, but you've got to learn from him. You've got to learn who he is, who our God is. And the more you learn, the more you're going to grow. And the more you grow, the more God's going to use you. And you're going to depend, as we talked in class today, depending on the spirit of, of God. I talked to Jeremy, Pastor Jeremy, today, and how much we depend on that. And sometimes you, you, you're preparing a sermon, and it just doesn't click yet. 
And there'll be just a certain part God gives you and you go, you know, and I will all shout. I go, yes, thank you, Jesus. And finally, this makes sense. And we have to learn from Jesus so we know um, what it is he's calling us to do. Now we got verse 1. <laughs> we won't go all the way through the rest. Simon Peter. Now, that's important. Simon Peter. What was his name, really? Simon? His name was Simon. Peter was the name who gave him? Jesus gave him this name. It's the name of Rock. Simon was his physical, earthly name. So you got Simon, man of the flesh, Peter, man of the spirit. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who, through the righteousness of God and Savior Jesus Christ, have received a faith as precious as ours. What a great word, precious. I think he uses that in um, 2 Timothy four or five times. Precious. So I thought, well, I would ask some people what that word precious means to them. Uh, last week I was at the Wayne State, well, yeah, last week, Wayne, the county of Wayne Fair in Belleville, and, and I set up my booth. I'm trying to get rid of all my military stuff. And so there's a lady across from me selling soap. And I thought, I thought I'd just ask her. I said, I'm preparing a sermon. I said, what, um, what do you think, you know, the word precious? What is something that's precious for you? For, for you? And she just floored me with her answer. I'll make sure I get it right. Game of Thrones. That's what she said was precious. I mean, if, I, I've never seen it. I don't know anything about it. Game of Thrones, anybody? Oh, so you're as lost as I am. Uh, and I, I go, well, why? And she tried to explain it, and I was totally lost. And then when I tried to repeat it, I call it the crown of thorns. <laughs> I, said, oh, I said, oh, no, that's, that's not right. That's Jesus. <laughs> and so, and then she went on to say, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm precious stones and, you know, that kind of thing. So then I asked my granddaughter, Rainy, who's precious to me. Did you hear that while you're coloring over there? That uh, I asked her, I said, Rainy, what is precious to you? Unicorns and ice cream. <laughs> oh, I like the one part, the ice cream, especially if it's butter pecan. And so that word precious means different things to different people. So we used to play this game called Outburst, and, uh, where you would have a, a question or a statement, and there's certain answers to it. So I'm going to give you guys about 10 seconds to outburst, and I want to be able to hear it. I got my hearing aids up a little bit. Um, outburst of something or some things, and you can give more than one answer, what is precious to you. All right, on your mark, get set, go. Salvation. Okay. I heard a few. I didn't hear them all. I heard family. I heard babies. I'm about ready to have, well, in March, another little grandson or daughter. I don't know yet. But even an unborn baby is precious, amen? But a lot of people think, oh, gold and silver is precious stones, family. When it says here, it says, received a faith as precious as ours. How often, I heard up here, salvation. How often do we think, really ponder how precious our faith in Jesus Christ is? That's one of the reasons I went backwards that remind, uh, refresh your memory, and to remember those three things. To grow spiritually, it's important that we get that locked down deep in our soul. How important, how precious our salvation is. Amen? 
And, and once I think that's part of the start of it because you get distracted with the things of the world, tempted with the things of the world, and, and you get to the point where you become stagnant. And so he says, our faith is as precious. And the next verse, it says, grace and peace be yours in abundance. How? Through the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ our Lord. If you want faith in abundance, how do you gain that faith? Well, we know, and I, I tell kids, the beginning is, okay, we got a problem. Our problem's sin. Because of sin, we can't get into heaven. And we need somebody to take that sin away. Jesus has done that. And we trust Jesus as our Savior, and he takes away the penalty of our sins so that we can go into heaven and be with him for eternity. We know that's part of this. Well, that word knowledge, and I didn't write down the Greek, it is a super knowledge. Best way to explain it. It's more than just salvation. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the, the super knowledge of God and Jesus Christ our Lord. I don't mean, how many of you like a little peace? You know, Jesus was big on peace. Things changed with me about five years ago. Patty and I started raising these wonderful, beautiful grandchildren. But peace and quiet is a rarity in our house anymore. And I look at that, I can have peace and abundance by knowing Jesus, knowing God supernaturally. And um, I think Jesus in, in Romans, well, as, as Paul wrote, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God our Lord Jesus Christ. He said in uh, chapter 14 of John, he talked about the Holy Spirit coming. So I'm going to leave you, but I'm not going to leave you alone. He said, I'm going to give you the comforter. But later on, I think it's verse, I think it's 27. He said, my peace I give you, not the peace of the world, but my peace I give you. And we can have that in abundance. And I've learned this through the life, even, even though at times, and that's probably the hardest thing to have this peace all the time, and I, I guess I know that if I'm, I'm not at peace with things, and maybe I'm not growing spiritually like I need to be. And maybe I need a little more knowledge and a little more get to know him a little more um, personally and intimately. But we can have that, that wonderful peace. And uh, so we're going to go to the next verse. His divine power. And I, I love that word power because everybody thinks they want power. But we have this divine power. Power. And what is that power? The Spirit of God that indwells within us. We have this supernatural power within us. And it says, His divine power is given in everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge, our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. So in us, we have this power called the Holy Spirit of, of which we want to grow deeper and closer we have this indwelling within us so that we can live a godly life. He's given us everything we need. And um, in verse 4, it talks again about that word precious. Through, through these, uh, he has given us this very great and precious promises. So we have that word precious. Our faith is precious. But now these promises, and I think that's another thing, is uh, trusting these promises that God has given us. And there are so many. Even that verse I read that, um, that we can have, uh, come on to me, all you who are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take your yoke upon me and learn of me. It's a promise. 
and uh, he give us rest. There's a promise he's never going to leave us, forsake us. There's a promise he's coming again. There's a promise that our hope and eternity is in him. All through the Bible, from Genesis through Revelation, are, is packed with promises. He made a promise to Abraham, did he not? He said, your, your seed, even though he's 80, 90 years old, he said, be like the sand of the sea and the stars of the sky, your seed. And so he made all these promises. He says, through these, he has given us great promises. Through what? Let's back up. Through his divine power, through this knowledge of Jesus Christ in abundance, and this faith that we have that is precious, through these, he has given us this very great and precious promise so that through them, you may participate in the divine nature. Now I'm thinking, what is this divine nature? I think, what do you think when you hear divine nature of God? Well, he's holy, he's just, uh, he's righteous, he's forgiving. That through these, he has given us the great precious promises. I think as we grow spiritually, we've got to come to the realization that our salvation is the most precious thing we have. These promises that he has given us are so precious and that we can participate in this divine nature, having escaped the corruption that the world caused by evil desires. Now, for this very reason, now we looked over the reasons, it says, for this very reason, make every effort to add, to add to your faith, then it makes a list. And this isn't a do or don't list. Do this, do this, do this. That's what the Israelites tried to do and failed. That's what the law was all about. We have the Spirit of God that's in us, that empowers us to be able to accomplish these things as we grow spiritually. For this reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and perseverance, godliness, and godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. So we aren't meant to crawl around like little babies or even toddle around. We are meant to add to our faith these things. We're not meant to say babies all of our life. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, what will happen? They will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Folks, I... I don't say I battle with this, but I keep this in mind at all times. Am I being effective? Am I being effective um, with the youth ministry? Am I being affected here as, uh, effective as associate pastor? And um, ask yourself the same question, being effective. And I think if you're a teacher, you need to ask you, am I being effective in my teaching of my class, my Bible class? If I'm a mentor, am I being effective, effective in mentoring this person? Am I being effective as a pastor? Am I being a, effective as the things I do for the Lord? And then the next thing, okay, am I being, if I'm effective, am I producing fruit? You look at Galatians 5 and the 22, and it talks about all the different fruit. Am I producing fruit? And I hope today that answer is yes. Um, I go right back to the, the question I asked in the beginning. Are you growing spiritually? When I was asked the first time, I had no idea what my brother was talking about. 
And I don't know, maybe there's some here today that just, you know, they don't know. And I hope we answered, the, I answered those questions that you know what it is, you know how to do it. And then you see the tremendous benefits of growing uh, spiritually. Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit. I thank you, Lord God, that there's nothing I do I can do on my own, but it's through you, it's through your written word, that each one of these would look differently about if their spiritual life is growing. I pray, Lord God, I don't know where each one is at, but if there's some that are just barely crawling along, I pray that today would be a day they say, no, it's important to me to grow every day. I pray for those that are, are growing that they would continue to grow like great-great-grandma Willie May at 95 memorizing God's word. It blesses my heart. I pray, Lord God, that for these people that they would be effective and productive in their ministry here, their ministry at work, and ministry in their families, that they would be effective and productive in serving you. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.